2: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Cray America. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job's not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Everybody hates the barbell. Until days like today. Money it keeps your portfolio from getting obliterated and driving you bonkers. For months, I've been telling you to keep your money in a barbell with some COVID winners like the momentum tech plays that have been soaring and some recovery stocks that rally when we feel more confident about the future, even though they've been acting like... <laughs> Today, the COVID winners got hammered, but the recovery stocks, well, they roared. Transports, travel, leisure, construction, aerospace, retail... They led the market higher, Dow surging 358 points, S&P advancing 0.27%, what a streak that's got going, and the tech-heavy Nasdaq losing 0.39%. If you own none of these winners, oh, you had a miserable day. If you followed my barbell advice, you offset your losses with some good gains from the most beaten down parts of the market. Why is this so important? Why does it matter that you protect your portfolio against a bad day for a group that has made you a ton of money? Okay, you need to understand something about portfolio management, a skill I've spent 40 years learning that I try to teach every day. Think of this show as a continuing education course for both of us. For years, some of the smartest people in this industry have been preaching the same gospel, that it's a fool's game to manage your own money. They tell you it's impossible to consistently beat the market by picking stocks, so you should just give up and put your money in a cheap index fund. Just like, hey, don't bother. This is actually, though, a relatively new phenomenon. It only became a conventional wisdom after the dot-com bubble burst. And it's totally bogus. How do I know that? Let me put it this way. Really rich people have always tried to augment their wealth by owning some individual stocks. They never stopped. I spent years helping rich people manage their portfolios, and many of them came up with brilliant ideas. They have two eyes. They had far more good ideas than bad ones. It was a joy to brainstorm with my clients. An art collector would see flows into gold. A scientist predicted the coming of the personal computer when we were still using mainframes. A retail exec recognized the power of Gap under Mickey Drexler, pointed out that if Target were spun off from the old Dayton Hudson, it would have a terrific run. All those things came true. And it's not just the rich, obviously. Anyone can do it. Individuals excelled at picking stocks in the 80s and 90s. You know, we used to call it the greatest story ever told, how the business had been democratized as more and more information became publicly available. Well, then the dot-com era sucked in a lot of people. In a very short period of time, they lost everything. It took years to come back. Just when it seemed like individuals were finally dipping their feet back in the stock market, the Great Recession hit, cut their feet off mercilessly. Even as the market rebounded from the financial crisis, the hits kept coming. In May of 2010, we got the last straw, a flash crash that lost people trillions of dollars on paper in the span of a few minutes. And that did it. That was it. It discredited the asset class to the point that people just said, get me out. Since then, the anti-stock picking consensus has hardened. Most experts will tell you not to bother. Or they'll insult you and say not to bother. It's too hard, at least for amateurs. Professional portfolio managers with big stocks for a living will urge you just to put your money in a mutual fund or an S&P index fund. The implication? Maybe some people can beat the market, but home gamers are too dumb. You're too ill-informed. Type of things that your mom told you never to say to people. The fact that I came out here every night and tried to help you manage your own money, it's considered to be pure hubris. It's 15 years with the Uber, so maybe it starts, stops being less pure. I don't even think you should put all your savings in individual stocks. I'm always telling you to keep your retirement money in index fund. I surrender. Still, if you're willing to do the homework and you stay disciplined, I believe you can beat the market with your discretionary stock-picking portfolio. And I'm not just talking about the people who are smart enough to buy Sorrento or people smart enough to buy Novavax. Which brings me to today. I've said repeatedly that when a post-pandemic rebound starts looking likely, you'll wish you owned some recovery stocks, the stocks of companies that will have huge growth once we go back to normal. Problem is, we had no idea when that would happen. Hence the barbell. I told you to own some recovery stocks just in case because it would sneak up on you. If you waited for some terrific vaccine news or some sense that Congress was making progress in the stimulus negotiations, well, odds are you'd be too late. I certainly expect recovery stocks to work today. No vaccine news, nothing encouraging from Washington. You'd expect the high growth portion of the barbell, the fang stocks Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google would be the leaders, along with fellow travelers Nvidia and Microsoft. There were some specific analyst boosts that, that took up Apple, but the rest of the high-flying growth stocks got pancaked, much of the chagrin of everyone who thought the market should reflect the macro, the big picture that shows how the economy is doing right now. Not today. Instead, we had a couple positives that boosted the other end of the barbell, positives that had nothing to do with the headlines or politics and everything to do with the companies themselves. Granular, micro. First Marriott reported a seemingly terrible quarter. But when you dove into the conference call, what you must do, there was some good stuff in there about the nascent return of travelers. If travel's coming back, Marriott's a buy, so the stock jumped 3.5%. Sure, it's down 36% for the year, but that makes it even more enticing. Travel, oh, let's buy American, let's buy Delta. Oh, well, just buy some Boeing. Then we had a hideous quarter from Royal Caribbean, kind of obvious, considering that they can't set sail. But the company announced phenomenal bookings for next year, and its stock shot up 10%. It was an astounding move. Put the two of them together, it seems like clear. Consumers are eager to travel, to take a vacation. The only thing stopping them is the pandemic. And by the way, if they just wore masks, I mean, I don't even, you know, I hear people fly. I don't even think anything about it. They all wear masks now. There's always some naysayers who say, hey, it doesn't help. But those people are idiots. Sorry. Finally, Foot Locker, a beaten-down mall retailer, reported an incredible 18% increase in same-store sales. 18, 1-8. Igniting a monster rally in all things apparel, naturally including Nike, which is just such a charm stock. Man, just go buy it, right? But also, just go do it. Just go buy it. But also, pretty much everything else imaginable. Think about it. If Foot Locker's good, what can Target and Walmart put up? Whoa! Last week, we saw this nascent rally coming when the transports took off, led by United Parcel. Carol Tomei, CEO. Today, the move expanded to FedEx and the railroads. Why not? All of, this, all of this, they benefit from recovery, travel, leisure, mall spending. At a time when people are cheering Simon Property Group for thinking about putting Amazon warehouses and vacant JCPenney and Sears stores, it's incredible to see many mall stocks with a pulse. Oh, and if you're running institutional money and you're afraid to miss the rally, well, what do you do? Well, you reach for Caterpillar, moron, of which there never seems to be enough stock once you start gobbling it up. And then, yeah, you gotta buy Chevron because a strong economy means an oil breakout from the 40s of oil, but goes <laughs> up to 43 higher. I didn't even bother to tell you what it was. Now, because there's not a ton of money coming into the market, portfolio managers have to sell something if they're going to buy something else. So they dumped the COVID winners to buy Chevron and buy Caterpillar. Now, you shouldn't have to do that, though, if you followed my barbell advice. You wouldn't pay up eight for Caterpillar like these people do, which is so pathetic. I can't believe it. It's like as someone who traded for a living, I'm like, are you kidding me? Could you really be that obtuse? Anyway, here's the bottom line. You need to maintain a diversified portfolio with high-quality companies that may be out of favor right now so that you won't be forced to pay up for winners on days like today. For instance, in a couple more days, you'll want to own biotech. They're crushing that. I want you to stick with the barbell. Otherwise, you'll want to throw up your hands, not just throw up, but throw up your hands, and give up on the entire asset class every time we get a rotation. Don't prove the naysayers right. You can absolutely manage your own portfolio. You just have to be disciplined about it. Let's go to
3: Mark in Florida. Mark. Hi, Jim. Uh, it's a pleasure to speak with you. I'm looking for some of that great Kramer insight on a stock I bought in May at ninety-one and a half. For the next seven weeks, it went steadily higher and seemed a little top heavy for a couple of weeks. It started up again and then plummeted last week on earnings. Where, where do you expect Metafast to go from here?
2: Yeah, they, they didn't. You know, I don't like that kind of stock. I mean, it's coming back. And anything weight loss, anything nutritional supplements, they all are hot until they're ice cold. And I don't want you, look, you are going to be missing, yes, I am willing to set aside the 50% gain. I don't want to do it. I'm going to let others do it because I've seen too much money lost in that industry. Maybe these guys are different. Ronnie in Tennessee, Ronnie. Hey, Joe, what's going on? I don't know. I hurt my shoulder, swimming. I don't know. I mean, that's
3: probably too granular. How about you? How's it going? It's going wonderful. plastic. Hey, Jim, I got a two-part question for you. But first, I want to thank you for everything you do on the show and everything you do for everybody else, okay? Thank you. Ah, No problem. I got a two-part question. So my first part is, uh, do you think the market is starting to switch uh, to the more uh, value stocks or stocks that have been beaten down by COVID-19? And the second part... Uh, with the new news from um, Amazon as far as uh, leasing retail space mm-hmm. and best of breed that you always preach, even though they missed out today on the EPS, how do you feel about SPD?
2: Oh, boy. Okay. I happen to like Simon Properties and Federal Realty. I think they're incredibly well run. They're not like the other guys. They figured it out. I think you got a good one there. I don't want to back away from Amazon. It's my largest position from My Chapel Trust. We got a big conference call on Thursday, and I'm going to stick by it. That said, yes, I think value comes back, but not for long, because in the end, what happens is we need a vaccine or a cocktail, an antibody cocktail. I was overserved on Friday, but that also was too much information. Let's go to Stephen in Massachusetts. Stephen! Jimmy Kill, what's the good word, bud? The chill man is, in, is very active today. What's happening with you?
3: All right, listen, several technology companies have rallied in recent weeks following earnings. And I know you're a fan of this company. Is Marvell Technology a buy now before
4: earnings come out in two weeks?
2: Okay, Marvell has had a monster run. I have not been pushing it that hard, but that quarter was incredible. It is a great 5G play in a business right now where people want to shoot 5G plays and everything about it because people feel the only thing you want to own right now is a good tractor company. Well, that will shift again. So let it come down to 32, 33. Let the charter say it's awful. But it, remember, it did double. And uh, double, that's, those are hard to find, aren't they? I mean, unless you're in Sorrento. Hey, you know who's... You know who dropped by Sorrento before he died was Caruso, and Caruso was dynamite. You should go listen. All right, today shows you why it's key to keep your money in a barbell. On days of rotation, that's how I hurt my shoulder, by the way. On days of rotation, you'll be glad you did. On Mad Money Tonight, isn't game on for Take-Two Interactive? As more people spend time at home, I'm talking with the CEO about the man he's seeing in gaming. Then it's the stock moving about nothing. I'm telling you how it's impacting the bull. And it's an under-the-radar 5G player that held a spot on the Kramer COVID-19 list for some time. But could the downward action in Seago, which you've asked me about endlessly, after earning a single red flag or a buying opportunity? I've got the CEO. So stay with Kramer. Don't
1: miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving.
2: last time we spoke with Kramer, Fave, Take-Two Interactive Software back in May, the video game publisher was on the defensive. After a monster rally, the company had just reported a confusing set of numbers, very strong results coupled with what I regard as cautious guidance. Investors were freaking out about the lack of major new releases this year, and the stock was getting hammered. Then we spoke to take 2's phenomenal CEO, Strauss Zellnick, and he told us that interest in gaming was up huge and that they expected it to stay elevated even after we contained the pandemic. He made the case that the company would be able to deliver massive booking sales and earnings like Dutch, in the new Red Dead Redemption, Strauss had a plan. We snap more up from my charitable trust. I sure hope you listen to him or at least to me the many times I've recommended and re-recommended and re-recommended this stock as a textbook COVID-19 play because it's now surged from 138 to 174 in less than three months, including a monster move last week. See, a week ago, Take-Two reported another fabulous quarter. The company behind Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption is making a killing with net bookings up 136%, sales up 54% and $2.30 of earnings per share. Wall only looking for a 60. Even better, management raised their full year forecast dramatically. So could this thing have more room to run? You know how I feel. But let's check in with Strauss Zelnick, the bankable chairman and CEO of Take Two Interactive. Get a better read on this incredible quarter. Mr. Zelnick, congratulations and welcome back to Mad Money.
4: Thanks for having me. Great to be here.
2: Well, Strauss, you know, I was going to start, as I knock over my papers, I was going to start with the usual, the NBA 2K, how great that is. But then I realized that we are, what, about 10 days away from the release of PGA Tour 2K21? I've never heard so many people care about a PGA championship than they did this weekend. I have to believe the same thing's going to happen to this game.
4: Uh, You know, Jim, I always I like to talk about our successes after they occur. True. But usually, uh, incidentally, usually your predictions are pretty on target. (laughs) Uh, And I I do feel really optimistic, but it's early. It's still early. We're very excited about it. The the game is great and uh, really great. And I think the time is right for it. But It remains to be seen.
2: Okay, so do I want to start? I'm not a golfer. Do I want to do my player mode, my play mode
4: or career mode? What do you do? Well, I think the, all of the, the goal with a great video game is for it to be easy to approach and difficult to master. So, if you really don't play, then you'd want to get involved and let the game take you through it at first, and then as you become more expert, you can experiment more. All right, that and that same thing but, for for uh, the billion dollar franchises is NBA Two K, right? Yes, absolutely. And and besides. You know, I know you know some people very well who are very expert in this space. Let them give you a little bit of a tutorial.
2: (laughs) I absolutely will. Okay, so the NBA 2K, you came on February 10th onto this show and you said, look, there's some things we can do better. Uh, And you you were criticized or you criticized yourself, frankly, on NBA 2K. So okay, so what do you do? You're obviously not happy with what things uh, of the way things go. You're a great manager. What was the message to the troops about what had to be done?
4: Well, I think what's, you know, I'll give you some insight and we've talked about culture a lot. And one of the things that I appreciate about being on your show is that you care about culture. You know, it, this, the culture of our company is not, you know, I, I call up and or visit and, you know, make people uncomfortable. We're so self-critical in our organization. The team at Visual Concepts was way out in front internally saying we need to uh, change some things. We need to address some things. The publishing team at 2Ks said we need to make some marketing changes. And of course, I was supportive and I was engaged in those conversations, but you know, I, as I like to say, I don't think that much work gets done in the corner office. The work gets done at the label, the work gets done at the studio and the incredibly talented people at Visual Concepts in the 2K actually made appropriate changes. So where are we now? We've sold in over 14 million units, up I think 18% year over year. Recurrent consumer spending was up about 126% in the quarter to a new record. The title is actually booked over a billion dollars. It's a new record for NBA 2K. And we expect that this will be a record setting title for 2K sports across all genres, across all time. Uh, that's a material change indeed now. And and a lot of that momentum, by the way, occurred before this terrible COVID-19 driven tragedy.
2: Well, that, that's what I was trying to relate the two is that. Did it spike after Adam Silver and that fabled night canceled the game and people said, I want NBA, I'll go to uh, 2K? I,
4: I don't know if it was right then, but uh, un- undoubtedly, as people have been sheltering at home, it's it's created, you know, and it's, it, it's, it's terrible to sort of celebrate right. such a difficult time. We've tried really hard to be both sensitive and generous in this time. Uh, however, it is undoubtedly true that people sheltering at home have had more time to devote to entertainment, all kinds of entertainment, and the entertainment that they flock to would be the biggest hits, and people love NBA Two K.
2: But there's also there are things that you dropped casually in the in the conversation of the conference school that are staggering. Red Dead uh, second sold through twice as many units as. Legend. I mean, it's not supposed to sell through twice as many. I mean, for
5: heaven's you know, sake. In fact, it's old. We
4: acquired twice as many users in the quarter. Recurrent consumer spending more than doubled in the quarter. Uh, you know, we've sold in 32 million units of the title. It's a massive hit. Okay, so And there's you, more content just came out.
2: Well, I mean, and there's going to be a host of things that come out next year for all of the products. Exactly. But let me exactly. ask you, you were president of 20th Century Fox from 1989 to 1993. You must have gotten sick of the Boy Wonder stuff, but you continue with the 60-year-old still looking great. And what is intriguing to me is, is that if I told you during 1989 to 1993 that you had no new hits, I would describe you as just the biggest fraud ever. Here you are. You don't you have a quarter where there wasn't necessarily a new hit. And it does, it, it, it's unbelievable how well you do. These are two very different businesses. It's not just the pandemic. Oh,
4: no, that's very true. And what changed really is when the video game business, and, and we were one of the leaders in the space, I'm happy to say, when, when Rockstar Games launched downloadable add-on content for GTA 4, that ushered in this sea change of what we call recurrent consumer spending. And a business that used to look more like motion pictures, you know, tent pole right. to tent pole, right. even in success, you know, you've, you launch it, you, know, you see what happens, you have three months of success, then you have to sort of, you know, make the bread again. What we have now is a business where we can get consumers engaged and keep them engaged, not just for three months, not for six months, but year in and year out. That's what's happened with basketball and of course, the standard bearer continues to be GTA Online. Seven years after its initial release, it looks like it'll set a new record for a consumer spending this year, seven years after. So you're right. What we should have, it's, and you didn't say it this way, but let me take responsibility. What our goal is, is that year in, year out, we have new hits, new frontline hits, as well as live services and games that continue to perform as part of our catalog. In years where we don't have that, though, it is gratifying that we continue to engage consumers in such a way that we can continue to deliver for our our shareholders. And And that's what we've been able to do. Now, in a a great year, we do both. In a great year, we do both.
2: Now, I'm glad you say we because your stock took a hit on February 4th when the legendary Dan Hauser stepped down from his post. You told us it wouldn't skip a beat. He said it wouldn't skip a beat. It didn't skip a beat. You're a man of your word. Dan Hauser is legendary, but obviously he built— a tremendous team, and they are filling in and doing incredible things.
4: Look, the the label was founded more than 20 years ago by Sam Hauser. He still leads a label to this day. There are over 2,000 colleagues who work at Rockstar Games, about 6,000 people at Take-Two. And what I've always said is if an organization relies on any individual, and I I include myself in that, Mm -hmm. uh, then it's not an organization. It's something else altogether. And I took great pride in the fact that when I left Fox, for example, since you mentioned Fox, the leadership team that managed the company after my departure, I, I, frankly, I think they did a better job than I did when I was there. They built the business in a way that I hadn't built it. I'm proud of that. That means that, that we've made the right choices to develop a business that when, when it transitioned to new leadership, that new leadership could take our, the base what we, that we had put in place and grow from there. That's good news. That's not bad news. That's well, our look, obligation as, as managers.
2: Well, look, there was oh, nothing but good news in this quarter. And I know that those who I'm close to in gaming had to say, yeah, you know what? This one's doing better than some of the others in the group. But you know what? Everybody can win. Everybody can win. Everyone can win. Thank you yeah. so much, Strel Selden, chairman and CEO of Take Two Interactive. Any dip, just buy. Man Money's back after the break.
0: visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: I'm always searching for a mantra for any given market, and I think I've found it for this one. No news is good news, especially when it comes to the pandemic. Case in point, Novavax, this once tiny clinical stage biotech, has suddenly become one of the leading players in the fight against COVID. And it just keeps roaring and roaring and roaring. Everybody's talking about this one, right? Even as, it, as its stock has already run from the single digits. Look at this. Look at this. This is called zero to 178. Okay, up another nearly 5%. How's your S&P fund doing versus this one, huh? Now, it doesn't seem to matter that Novavax has never successfully brought a vaccine to market. That is a useless abstraction. They got $1.6 billion from the federal government to manufacture this still unproven vaccine. They need to get 100 million doses ready by the beginning of next year to get paid, assuming that they get FDA approval. Now, the stock's been off the races ever since. Is this a thing of beauty? I mean, look at this. I mean, come on. Like, this is base camp one, two. This is like Everest, okay? You need, you need oxygen to go this high. But that's all old news. I can't tell if the old news is still in play. Or maybe we're back in physics class. You had to take it, remember? Because Novavax feels like an object lesson in Newton's first law. Objects in motion stay in motion at the same speed in the same direction unless acted upon by an external force. In other words, the thing driving Novavax higher is inertia. I could say the same thing about another one, Sorrento Therapeutics, a company that I like a lot more than Novavax. A week ago, Sorrento inked a deal with Columbia University for a highly accurate saliva test that could give you results in half an hour. Look at this, huh? Nothing has happened yet beyond the announcement. The stock keeps roaring. This is another object in motion, man. You need to study Newton to understand this market. It wasn't so hard. Remember the apple and the tree and stuff? I recommended Sorrento in June when it was at 4 bucks and change because it seemed to have so many shots on goal. I recommended it again at $8 a few weeks ago when we learned about the Columbia deal. And I was roundly criticized, if not pilloried on Twitter, as a lightweight. Although I chilled and said nothing because, after all, I'm Jimmy Cho. But now it's trading at nearly 19, and this early stage biotech is giving me vertigo. Will you look at this? I mean, come on. Only in the stock market, huh? Not in life. Just the stock market. And look, it's not just pharma. FedEx poll voted 9% today. Now, I've studied the research, and while there's some speculation that brown rates are going up, I think this one's roaring totally off the pin action. For you bowlers out there, from the United Parcel's latest quarters, UPS is on fire, and there's a sense that at FedEx it must be in great shape too. I mean, doesn't it have to be? The more it rallies, the more analysts raise the price targets, which is why stocks, ob- stock ob- objects in motion, stay in motion. I want you to call it Cramer's first law of analyst dynamics from now on. I think it would get some extremely positive coverage tomorrow. Now that it's a b- it's broken out, I mean, I think several price target boosts. You know what? I'm going to order up an upgrade or two. Waiter. Oh, no, they are not restaurants anymore. Right? right. We're seeing the same thing with banks, which keep running for no discernible reason. I mistakenly sold J.P. Morgan for my charitable trust a few points ago because I thought Congress would fail to compromise on the next stimulus package. Without more stimulus, we're looking at a wave of defaults that could be a body blow to the entire financial industry. I thought we'd be hearing about the possibility of dividend cuts. But then President Trump comes out with these executive orders that will supposedly give people $400 a week in additional unemployment insurance pay- payments. And now nobody's freaking out about the banks. When you look at the fine print though, it'll take weeks to set up this new program. There might be legal challenges. The states have to kick in 25% of the cost or they get nothing, which is money they probably don't have. It doesn't matter. The bank stocks have inertia on their side. Remember Kramer's rule. I sold J.P. Morgan rather than Goldman Sachs, whose Goldman has a lot less exposure to real estate loans that could go bad. I was too clever by half. Turns out the whole group trades in lockstep anyway. Even American Express, which is joint the hip to travel and dining out, two industries that have been uh, brought to a screeching halt by the pandemic. Although, as I said at the top, even those are working. Finally, there are the ragged retailers that keep inexorably climbing, based on what? Clearly people are betting on a rapid recovery, but I mean, I I, I can't point to any news that would explain why is no news really good news for the likes of Home Depot. Bed, bath, and beyond. Macy's, not in terms of the business, but that's just what happens in a bull market. Stocks move up on nothing. It's I mean, I went with the Newton thing because that's that makes it sound official. But what is it really about? It's like the old Seinfeld episode where Jerry pitches his idea to Russell Dalrymple, the fictional president of NBC, played with sheer genius by the brilliant Bob Balaban, who likes the show. Well, that show was a show about nothing. This is a move about nothing. And it's having the same success as that great show about nothing. All I can say is, as a bull, long may she run. Although bulls are male. Andrew in Alabama!
3: Andrew! How are you today? A good old boujard to you.
2: Well, I'm doing terrifically because the garden is coming in just fine except for the green peppers. What's going on with you? (laughs)
3: Listen, despite despite revenues being up, Znga Zynga, is just performing unremarkably well. What's your opinion on that?
2: I think gaming is just something you do when you can't do anything else. And that's what Zynga's about. It's about gaming when you can't do anything else. I mean, now, today we felt like we can do everything because that's why all these stocks went up. But I don't know. I mean, maybe these people are in a parallel universe. I'm afraid to do anything. I mean, you know, other than, like, be with my wife, maybe my kids. All right. No news. No news is good news. Long live the bull. And don't forget Kramer's law of, of, you know, the first law of, 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 you know. Newton. Much more have money, including my exclusive with under-the-radar player in Seago that you keep asking about. As the debate around sending kids back to school continues and more companies extend their work-from-home plans, could the company benefit? I'm talking with the CEO. Then on a day when most high-flying tech stocks got hammered, I'm hiring one company that managed to hang in there. Do not miss my sit-down with one of the hottest te- uh, tech stocks there is, SailPoint. Now, what it calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. What do you do with a five G play that just pulled back hard in the wake of a seemingly solid quarter? I'm talking about Insego, the small telco infrastructure company that we've been following as a speculative play on the 5G build out all year. After the market bottomed in March, Insigo rocketed higher, fueled by the stay-at-home economy. Their wireless hotspot products were flying off the shelves. Many people working from home were desperate for better broadband. The company pre-announced some terrific first quarter numbers, and the stock flew to 14, but that's where it peaked. Then it pulled back a bit, spending the next few months range-bound. We put it in the Kramer COVID index, then took it out because it wasn't, in, wasn't moving. Late last month, though, insego started roaring again. The stock ran from 10 bucks and changed to around 15 going into its earnings report last week. Investors were hoping for another blowout. What they got was a good quarter, with inline sales and earnings along with some strong commentary about the progress of their 5G portfolio. What they didn't get was guidance. Management declined to give a formal forecast, like so many other companies. But that spooked a lot of people and caused the stock to lose 18% of its value in just two days before rebounding a bit today. So could this be a buying opportunity, or do we need to be more cautious? Let's dig in with Dan Mondor. He He's the chairman and CEO of Insego to find out more about the quarter and his company's prospects, Mr. Mondo, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me on. All right. So, Dan, there's a confluence of two things that we need to be worried about. One is security when we're working at home. And two is we want to have the best 5G security. That is Insego, correct? That is in our DNA. Highly secure products. You talked about unprecedented demand for hotspots. When you say unprecedented demand, does that mean that basically we can see something go on for a while or does that mean just this
3: one moment in time? Well, firstly, second quarter was exceptional, highest revenue in recent history. And we uh, improved both operating cash flow and operating margins. So we're on the journey. But what we said back in March is that we saw it as a surge, meaning that we didn't see it as a temporary spike. And I think now there's plenty of evidence uh, globally that it's a new paradigm and actually not just work from home, but now as the semesters are starting up, a lot of online school. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about, because I I don't think
2: a lot of people really realize how uh, how challenged schools are going to be. And, and why, what does a, if a person wants to go to school virtually, they, 4G, how, you can know the difference between 4G and 5G, correct?
3: You can definitely notice the difference. I will say this, that 4G is not an inferior uh, speed and connectivity. 5G is just, of course, that much faster for video and that sort of high bandwidth technology.
2: But in your, uh, you have a long history of industry first. A great graphic in your deck, and it says 5G today. First commercial 5G devices, multiple layers of security. So who needs that? I don't think that's that important to students. Who who has to have that?
3: Well, the products are purpose built first and foremost. Our our market is largely enterprise. Right. Um, I'll get to school for a moment a second. So we sell the products to the enterprise. Uh, a lot of Customers are in banking, Morgan Stanley, Chase City, Goldman, uh, as well as government agencies, DOD, Justice, uh, Homeland Security. So there's extraordinary security requirements there. But the work-from-home environment, the Wi-Fi at home that students might be using, is very vulnerable. There's all kinds of online attacks that can happen. So it is equally as important, I would argue, for, for school kids.
2: Now, uh Global cloud gaming with NVIDIA. You mentioned at one point we're big fans of NVIDIA. So how does, that,
3: how does that interact with you? Well, it's really about the speed of 5G. They bring the edge compute capability, video capability. Oh, we bring the 5G connectivity. So it is really a natural partnership together. We've done at some shows, we've done some demos jointly to show their video graphic processing Powered by Ensego 5G, it worked fantastically.
2: Oh, that's right. Okay, so we saw, when we saw Jensen, they were trying to get the Mellanox deal closed for for the edge. So you're part of that. That's an incredibly popular package. And and, and it's at its infancy. It's going to last
3: for a long time. Well, our philosophy is an ecosystem of partners. So uh, NVIDIA is certainly one. We have other partners in... uh, in the space. Uh, and and we're not going to try to build everything, nor should other tech companies. They should really partner to enable these applications. So that's, that's what we're doing.
2: I like the blog post you recently had, five reasons we need 5G now more than ever. I know it's too much to ask you to rip down the five, but perhaps people would understand, because a lot of people tell me 5G, 4G, why do I have to change my phone? Why do I have to update? But apparently you do.
3: Well, if you switch to 5G on a, on a cell phone, you go get a new cell phone, 1,000, 1,500 at a pop. You buy one of our mobile hotspots, it's the gateway to 5G. We do the heavy lift of 5G. You can keep your current smartphone. But I think in the blog, one of the things I really wanted to emphasize, firstly, we feel very fortunate to be in the position we are. We're helping people stay safe, secure, and productive at home. And that is really, really important to us. But there's many other aspects. We talked about uh, connectivity, getting connected, staying connected, Mm -hmm. security, performance, bandwidth, a plug-and-play solution. You literally can turn it on, and away you go. You've got Internet connectivity at high speeds.
2: Well, it it does seem, I I should point out, when you say enterprise, people should understand. You have big deals with Verizon, with Sprint, I mean, with the big guys. I mean, these are giant. The MiFi, which I use, is phenomenal. That's yours.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it is a gr- great product. And our model is we sell through the mobile operators. In other words, they have huge enterprise sales force. So we have deals with AT&T. We have deals with Verizon. We have deals with T-Mobile. And we're now signing deals with international operators. So that's really our model. They are the reach to these large enterprise industry verticals, and that's how we go to market with them
2: jointly. Excellent. Individuals, I got mine at uh, at the Verizon store, and it's terrific. I want to thank Dan Mondor. He's the chairman and CEO of INSG. He didn't give guidance, but the business is terrific. So let's give him a break. Man Money's back after the break. It is time! And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski, That over the lightning round. Let's go over to Robert in California. Robert.
3: yeah, Jim. It's Robert over in California. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing really well. Well, hey, I'm a 27-year-old long-term investor currently pounding the table on L3 Harris. What's your thoughts?
2: Look, I thought the quarter was okay. There was a rotation out of the defense stocks. The money's going back in them now. I think the stock is bottom. I also like Lockheed Martin because that's got James Takelet, Jim. Uh, and, and both these stocks are inexpensive versus where they were. Ryan and Florida Ryan. Hey, booyah, Jimmy C. Booyah. Yes. This stock was trading at around 5 and a half bucks on June 11th and has moved upwards ever since to so a 52-week high of thirteen thirty-six on August 6th. Last week, um, the company announced earnings. They beat their EPS by 70%, and their outlook for Q3 and 2020 overall are positive, but the stock didn't really move. Uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on Evelyn Health, EVH. Well, I mean, in fairness, the stock did anticipate a really great quarter, and if we didn't have this rotation, I think it would have continued to go higher. But now we have rotation out of anything that's involved with migrating economic orientation, Anything that's involved in its subset is not going to work right now. Let's go to Amy in California. Amy.
0: Hey Jim, it's Amy from beautiful Malibu, California. All right. Um, my girlfriend's and I we love your show. I just oh, thank you. And Patty. Yeah. Um. So thanks for making my bank account bigger. Okay. I have a question for you. I own this stock and I want to know your opinion on
2: APP. I P P. I don't know that stock. I don't know. I don't know that stuff. I'm going to have to come back on that. We got a little backlog of homework. We have a lot of guests lately. I don't know if you guys have noticed that. The bookers are going nuts on me. But we will come back on that one. I need to go to Amir in Virginia. Amir. Hey, Jim. Hey, football season's coming up. about them Dallas Cowboys? Why do you insult me? Why do you come into my house and insult me? <laughs> This is my house, not your house. Are you forgetting that? You think you can wear a Dallas Cowboys outfit into my box? I'll throw you the hell out. I don't even have anything to say to this guy. All right. Well, hey, uh,
4: Oh, you're still talking.
2: Your All right.
4: <laughs> Let's throw a snowball at you. Continue. What's going on? I wanted to get your thoughts on a company that you've been pretty fond of. But after Friday's earnings, this stock has taken a big hit. I wanted to get your thoughts on the sell-off and the company now at this point. The stock, sim- the
2: ticker symbol is Alteryx, A Y S. I haven't like Alteryx, but you know what? It reminds me of the Cowboys in the playoffs. It just folded like a cheap suit. Now I actually think that the quarter was not nearly as bad, but you know what? It's part very much of this, of this part and parcel with the sell-off because it had such a high multiple. It's going to take a little. You know, this one needs to repair. Actually, uh, consider it to be like it's. It's not an. It's not an ACL. But it's a hamstring and you're gonna to have to deal with that. And it's not gonna get oh not gonna get fixed very quickly because you have to wait for another quarter. Let's go to let's go to Jaden in Nebraska. Jaden.
4: Hey Jim. I'm looking for your advice on Digi International
2: symbol D G I I going forward after their recent earnings and what you think about the Internet of Things industry. Uh, the Internet of Things Industry is good. This stock is down a lot. It is the kind of thing that intrigues me. Uh, why does it intrigue me? Because I think this rotation lasts another two, three days. And I'm taking down my notes and seeing what looks good. Maybe four days. And a company like this, uh, communication software, tends to come back earlier than others. And that's my advice. But remember, right now, people are just throwing away anything having to do with communications. They come back to these. Believe me, they don't just always buy Sorrento and Nicola and, and, uh, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the lightning round. The Lightning
1: Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
2: On a day when most high-flying tech guys really got hammered, including many of our favorite names in the Kramer COVID-19 index, which have obviously just gone out of style, the tech sell-off didn't hit everything. Some high-flyers managed to hang in there, like SailPoint Technologies. Now, this is a lesser-known identity management software place, similar to Okta or Ping, uh, except SailPoint takes it beyond login and verification credentials. Their platform is almost an, an artificial intelligence force need-to-know policy. They actively make sure that only the right people have access to the right data. So if someone logs into your high-powered administrator account from a weird location, starts trying to access stuff that has nothing to do with your actual job, SailPoint blocks that access. Why didn't this thing get hit like Okta or Ping? Well, last Friday, SailPoint reported a fantastic quarter. Massive revenue with a surprise profit. Set the stock flying from 31 to 36. But beyond that, it doesn't hurt that this stock is relatively cheap to its group selling for less than 10 times sales, whereas something like Okta sells for more than 30 times sales. So could this be uh, worth buying on a pullback and weakness if the rotation out of COVID tech stocks continues tomorrow? Let's take a closer look with Mark McLean. He's the co-founder and CEO of SailPoint Technologies Holdings. Get a better sense of the quarter and where his company's headed. Mr. McLean, welcome to Mad Money.
5: Thank you, Jim. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: All right. So, Mark, we we've had Ping on and we have Okta. We've had we've had uh, Cyborg on so many times. And so our, our guests, our, our viewers are familiar with the guests who talk about this group. But SailPoint's different. And I'd love it if you could just in, in your first time one describe to to people how different you really are.
5: Well, yeah, it's it's fairly straightforward, Jim. In some ways, we're, we're sort of the brains behind the glass, if you will. Like a lot of the technologies are involved with people logging into systems or getting authenticated. These days, we, you know, we use our phone for what they call multi-factor authentication. Uh, but oftentimes, the really hard problem is not just can you log in, but what can you do and are you supposed to be logging in in the first place, right? Do you have appropriate access rights? And this is really in the business to business setting, right? All the all the identities, the, the employees, contractors, others that are using those systems, can they access the right stuff? And really our system is designed to be a kind of a single system of record to ensure that all the right people have access to the right things they need and nothing more, nothing less to do their jobs. That's part of what keeping the organization secure looks like.
2: Okay, so Uyuni Makati comes on. Uh, from CyberArk, and he says that he uh, does the keys to the kingdom, that he uh, does the privilege accounts. What's the difference between privilege accounts
5: and the accounts you're talking about? Great question. And, and Udi's a friend, uh, as, as are Andre and Todd. We all, we all know each other in this I space. I know as you do. That's good. Um, and so, look, at the end of the day, that technology is very important and very critical for a, kind of a subset class of users that are accessing really important systems like administering your database or logging into your core systems. But it's not every every user. The, the, the thing that SailPoint's focused on is the comprehensiveness, comprehensiveness excuse me, as of all the identities. Everybody that you care about, it used to be primarily employees 10, 20 years ago. It shifted to contractors, now business partners, supply chain. And one of the more recent interesting twists is robotic identities. What happens when a software program is mimicking a person? We got to we got to keep an eye on, we've got to govern that identity just like we do the people that are accessing systems. But I want to make it clear that you
2: are not business to consumer. That would be, say, a Norton LifeLock. Life. You are business to business because a lot of people hear you and say, well, I want that service, but that's not going to happen.
5: <laughs> no, it's really about the employees and their access. Now, what's starting to happen, Jim, interestingly enough, as consumers are given access to business systems, right, Not not consumers to their own data, mm-hmm. say, at a bank. There is a growing area of of awareness that some of what we're going to do, especially for consumers or or I should just say businesses that are engaged with their customers in a more complex ongoing relationship, that's probably going to get encompassed in this. But it really is about how to ensure that the right people are not just logging in conveniently and, and securely verifying who they are with authentication, but they're actually accessing the right information and not the wrong. And in a corporate setting, that's tough. It's always changing and moving and keeping that straight is very challenging
2: at the same time though y- your company is very different you go to the web page and what do you see my humanity is bound up in yours for we can only be human together bishop tutu great man bishop tutu on a website of a uh cybersecurity
5: company so let's just say we have a pretty high uh, focus on values here, Jim. We, we felt like for a long time that we could differentiate the market not only by the quality of the technology we provide, and we, we've we established a nice leadership position in our, in our subset of identity called identity governance. But we also feel like part of the way we differentiate the market is how we treat our customers and frankly, how we treat our partners, employees, and everyone in our ecosystem. And with a lot of the, the challenging issues of COVID and the race, race-related issues of late in the U.S. here, I think everyone's sort of on a high alert attention, if you will. And we just wanted to kind of reinforce that, hey, our, our, our approach is to value people first and foremost. And when we treat people right, you know, Herb Kelleher, once family said at Southwest Airlines, I treat my employees right. They're going to treat the customers right. And ultimately, we're going to do good business and Wall Street's going to be happy. I, I think that's a great way to look at it.
2: Uh, I'm not going to necessarily presume that it's Southwest, which Herb, uh, Herb created. But you did have an airline uh, come on. And I thought that was very interesting as a, as a customer, because the last thing an airline, I mean, airlines are bleeding. They're bleeding from the eyeballs, right. but they still felt that they had to spend the money to install SailPoint.
5: Yeah, and that's been an interesting uh, uh, thing we've seen involved, Jim. You know, as everybody knew, when COVID first hit with a vengeance and everybody got shipped home, right, we very quickly, you know, we spun up laptops, these things called virtual private networks to make sure p- employees could tunnel into their corporate safely, right? But one of the things that started to happen is, OK, we quickly ramped up access um, quickly to a lot of people. Todd even talked about that on your broadcast. But one of the things that we're now seeing is sort of a second <laughs> awareness is, right. oh, did we make sure the right people had access as we rapidly threw open the right. doors? Um, somebody somebody likened it to, you know, when the mom and dad are out of town and, and the kid kid says, hey, I'm going to have a little party while mom, and dad are out of town. You could get a whole lot of people coming in that maybe you don't want. There. Got it. And you got to make sure the right people are there for the right reasons. Well, look, it's a joy to have you on, and congratulations
2: on that amazing quarter. I hope you come back to Mad Money. Great to meet you, sir. Well, thanks so much. It
5: was a real pleasure. Thanks for the time. Appreciate the opportunity. Oh, terrific. Okay, that's
2: Mark McClain, co-founder and CEO of SailPoint Technologies, with actually a, a, an honest-to-God beat, not a manufacturing one, just a fantastic number. Uh, and this may be one to put away as the market shifts, because it'll go back. Stick with Kramer. If I had a few extra minutes this morning, I would have asked Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, are you going to bail the airlines out? They probably need about another $25 billion. You know what's odd? Here they need the money, but what's happened? to stock buyers just can't keep away. They buy and they buy and they buy. Pretty soon the airline's going to do more secondaries and you can get all the stock you want. So maybe you wait for some better numbers before you just keep piling in. Same thing goes for a lot of the sickles. You know, it's okay. They're not that great. i like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow.